1: Welcome to Gobbler Country's Talking Turkey. got a little change tonight. This is John Schneider, your regular host, and Brian's kind of busy tonight, and so I have the pleasure of being co-hosted tonight with Jay Johnson, who's going to be on shore for a while, so making the trip up to the recording studio in the sky here, and we're going to talk about the Boston College game. How you doing, Jay?
0: Doing all right, John. Glad to be part of the podcast
1: again. It's an adventure, sure. We've been getting a little bit better each time. But what's really fun about it is people get to hear who we are and we get to kind of freelance a little bit. But this is no freelancing today. After last week's performance, we are going to be rolling into Lane Stadium, empty, echoey, at 8 o'clock at night on a Saturday with no crowd and no thunder and no earthquake to face our arch nemesis from the Atlantic and from the Big East, Boston College. That is going to be an interesting football game, don't you think?
0: I do think so. I think there's some interesting matchups for Boston College where their strengths match up against our weaknesses and vice versa. So taking a look at you know these individual performances, looking at what Boston College has done throughout the season and what we've done, I think by all accounts, it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. Now, the first segment is going to be all Boston College. What are we looking at Boston College-wise on offense? We're looking at something that we haven't seen from Boston College since Doug Flutie days. They have a passing offense and no running attack. This kid, Jernovic, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Jerkovic or whatever. I don't know, but he's scary. He's got the potential of running a three-second drop offense. And that's something we're having a problem with. So without a run game, there might be some teeing off, but they're going to have to get to him. What do you think? I mean, I'm not looking at their statistics right now, and you are. What's their pass versus run totals?
0: When you're taking a look at the overall attempts as the team, the actual attempts, the disparity is not that great. It's just the performance is drastically drops off for the running attack. So as a team, they have 152 pass attempts and 129 rushing attempts so when you look at like the yards per average which i brought up in my rankings article earlier so it's not just that they only have 240 yards 241 yards as a team is that they're only averaging 1.9 yards per carry on that rush so it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do with virginia tech because i mean It's been this way for almost the entire season. The cat's out of the bag. Between the COVID issues and the inexperience on the secondary, that's Virginia Tech's defensive weakness. I would expect Boston College to try to take advantage of that and maybe not demonstrate as balanced of an attack as they have over the first four games of the season and maybe focus exclusively on the passing game, particularly when we take a look at how successful UNC was throwing underneath and getting yards after reception. You know, you can, and teams have done this very successfully before, just in professional and collegiate level, you can successfully replace a rushing attack with a short passing attack. And I expect Boston College to go ahead and try to do that against us because UNC had so much success doing the exact same thing.
1: Yeah. As an old friend of mine reminded me in in the HSBC League, Mississippi Valley State with Jerry Rice. They didn't run that entire season. They passed the entire season. And I think if you remember that season, they actually won their conference.
0: On the NFL level, you take a look at what, you know, Marshall Falk did with the Rams, where they're sitting there with the team. I think the year they won the Super Bowl with Kurt Warner, I'd have to double check. But I think the team had less than a hundred or less than a thousand yards rushing. And if they did, it was pretty close because they used Marshall Falk out of the backfield for the short passing game which really kind of put that on the map. The short passing game,
1: quote-unquote West Coast offense, the short pass was basically a lateral. It was an option yep. offense, yep. and and the short pass was basically a lateral, and the only thing that kept it from being a pure run was one yard upfield versus back. So I think they're going to be dangerous on offense because of that. I think uh, we demonstrated a serious weakness With the three-second drop offense, which given what I've seen from their stats and a couple of snips from their games, it looks like they're trying to develop that capability. It's not easy. I mean, it takes a while to really practice in and get the timing down on a three-second offense. But once you do like UNC did, it's devastating. And that's what UNC did to us all game was if you were counting Mississippis, that ball was at three Mississippis. Whether it was handed off or thrown, it was gone in three seconds. That's why we weren't sacking anybody, which brings up defense. And that right now, let's talk about BC's defense, because BC's defense is sort of shaky. I mean, they're okay. BC's always going to put up a reasonably capable front line, and they're always going to have some good linebackers. They I don't know where they find them or how they identify them, but there's somebody with Luke Keekley drifting in front of his name, you know, in front of his head that wants to be the second coming of, and so I think that you're going to see some good linebacker play from them. They haven't had any runaways. They're the one team I've noticed I haven't seen any shootouts in their background.
0: Now, and when you take a look at what they have, particularly at the linebacking core. You have to take it seriously. So right now, if you look at the teams that have been able to play three or more games, the number two and number three leading tacklers in the NCAA right now are both of BC's starting linebackers. Isaiah McDuffie and Max Richardson. I I think another thing that keeps BC in the games that kind of like hides the problem they have with their rushing attack is actually that defense because statistically their defense isn't horrible. They're pretty comparable numbers for us in sacks. They've got 12, and they're actually better than us with interceptions. They have five. So I think having Hooker back under center is going to help us out, particularly in the sack portion. And the reality that we didn't talk about on Talking Turkey this past weekend was our offensive line is pretty stout. It ain't too shabby. I think it's like ranked number two or three in the country. Yeah, it's pretty good. Like pro football focus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I saw that same article or statistic. But when you look at who Boston College has played up against, interestingly enough, all of their games except for their game against Duke our single score wins or losses to include their 24-21 win against Texas State. You know, they lost to UNC 26-22, which kind of like gave all of us hope. We're like, oh, maybe UNC is beatable. And they are. But they found a seam to exploit against us. And same thing with their win against Pitt. And I'm pretty high on Pitt this season. I think, you know, it's kind of like the standard Pitt story where they're a dangerous team, and then they lose these single-digit, single-score games. And they won against Pitt only 31-30. And I think a big part of that is the defense generally keeping the bad guy offense low scoring. Holding UNC to twenty-six, I think is pretty impressive. So the other side of this card is how is our offense going to respond? It's tough to kind of put them up against. So we played against Duke and we we dominated Duke. We dominated Duke's offense. Duke's offense did pretty well against us as well, but we were able to to come away with that win. I think the big thing's going to be that's going to set us apart here is, is going to be Hen and Hooker's ability to Keep plays alive with his legs when the plan breaks down, essentially his ability to improvise and take care of the situation when things start to go bad. And then on the other side of that is just the, the absolute athleticism that exists at running back right now. They did have to face similar levels of athleticism against UNC's running tack, but I would put Herbert above both the UNC running backs when it comes to you know strength, capability, speed. I would argue that our offensive line is better. So we'll see. I'm hopeful, though, that we'll be able to overcome that strength because our offense is, at a minimum, as capable as UNC's.
1: Okay, so on the other side of the break, we'll start to pick up what we think about what's going on with Virginia Tech a little bit. We know that we're in for a fight, and that's usually what we have when we play BC, no matter what. And I think a little revenge needs to be in the heart of every Hokie and every Hokie on the field. So... We'll pick up how we think the Hokies are going to do from their perspective when we come back from these messages from our sponsor. Uh, Welcome back, everybody. We're back from the commercial break, and we are also back from delving into the nastiness of what could be BC's defense against our offense. Jay, let's pick it up with our offense because we were sorted leading into that at the end anyway. So let's pick up our offense. We've got Hendon Hooker back. Big announcement, we got Hendon back. That was like, okay, we kick a touchdown. Not that I don't like Braxton Burmeister. He has got all heart, and he's got some serious talent, but he doesn't have the arm. And then there's Quincy, who actually can throw a few balls with the, some velocity on it, but Quincy's not a passer either. Quincy's kind of our wild turkey, and, and he's capable. But the guy that makes this offense go, and we've said it, we've talked about it before, the guy that makes this offense go is Hendon Hooker.
0: Agreed. I think, you know, like you, you touched on, Patterson and Mr. Burmeister both have single skill sets that are comparable to Hooker's skill sets, but Hooker together is a little bit better of a rusher than both of them, and he's a better passer than both of them. So he's by far our most complete product. What I think would be interesting, I say this just based off, you know, watching what Clemson does with two capable quarterbacks. I think it would be cool if now that Hooker's back in the mix as the starter, it would be neat to see, and this is maybe just a pipe dream of mine, not a two quarterback system, but plays where you have like Patterson and Hooker on the field together just to create confusion for the Boston College defense. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did that, but I'm not holding my breath, but I think that there's money to be made in schemes like that. Well, but it's, agreed, Hooker is certainly the complete product.
1: He makes the entire thing go. He can throw the intermediate routes. And of course, you and I both have complained about this for years. We yep. still don't have enough of those. But in the RPOs, there are several intermediate routes that neither Burmeister nor Quincy really can throw. And... Hendon is able to hitch up and put some steam on the ball. If you're going to throw that short underneath pass, you've got to have some heat on that sucker. It can't float because if it floats, it's going to get picked off or knocked down and more often than not picked off. So, okay. He doesn't have a cannon. If he doesn't want to, he's got good touch on the ball, but he can let it go
0: and he can throw a laser. Hooker reminds me of, like, Hooker's one of those players at the quarterback position that I think is worth, like, two wins just when he's on the field. And in that sense, he reminds me of Logan Thomas. When we had him, and there were multiple games his final season, where if he hadn't been on the field with his athleticism and skill set, we flat out would have lost and probably wouldn't have made a bowl game. He would drag the, the team, kicking and screaming, despite his deficiencies, to victory because of what he's able to do with his just flat-out athleticism and capability. And Hooker's got pretty impressive vision as well. So his ability to like read the field and see it and make a decision at a relatively quick pace is solid. And yeah. that's something that I don't think people talk about that enough in, at both the professional and the collegiate level. Like we talk about going through your reads and stuff like that, certainly. But like an ability to take a look at the field, get the big-picture understanding of what's going on, and make a decision, Hooker's got that
1: you got the individual throw decisions but which is the release but you have the overall arching okay is my table set and how is it set and what is it set for yeah that is not a recognition that a lot of people have and hooker seems to see it when he gets up and he starts reading the line he's already reading before he's starting to call the play So I'm really impressed with that. And okay, we have two other things to deal with on the offensive side of the ball, real quick, and we got to cover because we actually have a running game. The reason why we have a running game is because we have an offensive line that PFF, that's the Pro Football Focus, is rated like the number two or three offensive line in the country. And I mean, we have beasts, Derisaw and Tenuta on the tackles; they're burying people. You got Lasita Smith is eating up tackles, like two of them. I just cannot believe that we have the quality of offensive line that we have. Every week, somebody else bubbles up and it gets recognized. Because when your least player is Lucidus Smith, and he's that good, what kind of offensive line do you have? And I'm not knocking Lucidus. I'm saying... Okay, it's taken him a little time and a little momentum to get where he is. But man, you know, I can't pick a weakness in our offensive line and in the twos. If you want the twos to come up, I can't find a weakness in the twos.
0: I think it's a phenomenal anchor for us to build the offense around because for obvious reasons, it establishes a running game and we have somebody as dynamic as Khalil Herbert. It allows him to take advantage of the situations that provide themselves. And the other thing, too, is to take a look at the sack numbers. We've only allowed five sacks in the season. I'm quite happy with that.
1: Three of them were literally Burmeister not getting rid of the ball when he should have gotten rid of the ball because they were coverage
0: sacks. Right. So these are good things that I think we're all excited about. And then yeah, the other I know side I know you're going to go
1: on the other side of the ball now, aren't you?
0: Not, Not quite. But what I wanted to bring up is Mr. Mitchell. We have yeah. a tight end who's not only leading our receiving yards, but the young man can block like he's one of those complete packages. It wouldn't surprise me if he starts to garner a pretty decent amount of NFL attention because that's what they're looking for is a big dude. He could probably be a little bit taller to be your prototype tight end. He's only 6'3". And they probably want to be a little bit taller, 240 plus pounds right now, but he can block and he can catch and he's pretty quick.
1: After the catch or if he's handed the ball. He's been running the ball very effectively. And you know what? Nick Gallo's right behind him. Nick Gallo is probably going to be a more famous Hokie than his brother. I think because Mitchell's taken Gallo in, and instead of making it like some unhealthy competition, they're pushing each other. Which and is fantastic. Course, yeah, which is the way you want it. So but you got Trey Turner and Tavion Robinson. I'm a little disappointed with the fact that the couple first couple of games they were dropping too many balls, I think maybe that's a timing thing that would have gotten fixed over spring season and then into the fall. I think that will start going away. We started seeing hints of that magic happening again in the last game, even though we got freight trained on the defense. Okay, which is going to bring us to the defense. We might as well segue over that before we say goodnight from everybody and and wrap this up. And that is something that's going to have to be fixed, and it's going to have to be fixed in one heck of a hurry.
0: Real quick, before we get to the defense, I just want to make a comment regarding what you're talking about with missed opportunities due to timing. It goes back to what I was saying on the most recent talk in Turkey, the woes that the defense have faced with the ability to practice, the offense has dealt with it as well. This team is very nicely positioned to just get better and be at their best when we need them. because. The last four games of our season are not easy. And we're going to need the team to be playing at the top of their game for us to be, you know, competitive for the ACC championship, simply because we, we kind of rolled all of the tough people this year. If we had just had Notre Dame at the end,
1: I would have thought that somebody really hated us because they already no disliked us greatly. I just thought it would have been full on hate at that point. So let's go over in the last few minutes here. Let's go over the defense What's got to be fixed? Defensive line has got to get A-gap penetration. The A-gap was not pushing, either it was getting pushed out or over. We were getting ragdolled on the defensive line. I think some of the schemes didn't match the offense that the Tar Heels put up. Instead of making adjustments, I noticed that we basically were playing at a a two-look defense. And if you've only got a two-look defense... You're going to get your butt picked apart. So the front four needs to be better. It can be better, and it needs to be better. They can't get blown off the ball. They have to get penetration in the face of the quarterback to slow down that passing game and get some natural pressure again. And, yeah, the outside rush may or may not work. You might want to try it every once in a while, see if you can get there. But if they start throwing that three-second pattern – I'm sorry, you're not going to run through traffic from the outside to the quarterback in three seconds. It doesn't happen. It's just the laws of physics don't make it. People on the defensive line aren't the mighty kazoo where they Oop, and then bleep on the other side. You've got to have, you've got to run through traffic. If the ball comes out in three seconds, you're not getting. It. So you've got to get there in the face of the quarterback.
0: And that was almost yeah. the magic was stopping Bill Belichick's offense. So I think a couple of things, are positives for us to take a look at. Certainly agree that the defense needs to play at a higher level. And I don't remember if it was in one of your articles or a comment on a thread on Facebook or in one of the articles, but you were talking about how it looked like we were playing a base defense yeah. and that we weren't adjusting at all. And I didn't really pay attention to that until you said that. And that makes sense to me. I think that maybe we are trying to put our defense right now and, and things might be, worse off than we fully understand with regards to the lack of players on the defensive side of the ball due to the COVID mitigations, simply because it kind of reminds me of when you're sitting there and you have to put your third string quarterback in and like the middle of the second quarter and you're like, he knows eight plays, you know, you can sit there and watch there and start getting frustrated. And you're like, why are we doing the same thing over and over again? And you're like, it's because that's what he can do. It's what we have to try to do. And I haven't seen anything. Have you seen anything? Like, are we supposed to get Diablo back? rumblings right now nothing specific
1: i think we might end up with divine back i think waller's fully going to be fully back remember he was really rusty last week and yeah he played but i think J.R. walker will probably be back i think the connor suspension because it was in the first half and he was suspended he for the should whole be there game, he should yep. be on the on the field so we're going to have most of our first string defensive secondary now it's not the top of non right now because they're out of timing. The rhythm isn't there. Mm-hmm. And, and defense is very much a rhythm thing where you know, you feel, you flow. It's funny if you listen to Troy Polamalu as the prime strong safety for the Steelers, how he would see the flow of the game. That's the kind of thing that those secondary kids have to see. And you're right. If they only have eight techniques, They don't see the flow. They're worried about their techniques.
0: The reason I bring that up is because we can sit there and be like, well, it's just the secondary. I'm like, yeah, dude, but we're talking about trying to figure out what can we do as a defense, as a team to help mitigate these things. And that can drive a team to having to sit there and like, hey, like our goal here is to slow them down as best we can. And this is the best way we can do this because we were already asking dudes like Mr. Matheny to do more than they were really capable of doing. And even if our starters are out of sync, those young men have the athleticism and some of them the experience to be able to be like, all right, I just have base instincts or, okay, I was slower. If I'd been on my game, maybe that's an interception, but at least it's only a short gain for six yards instead of a 62-yard touchdown. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Well, I am – this is my preference in the midfield, linebackers you got Ashby in the middle, and I'm going to swap Ashby and Dax out of the middle, okay? Yes. every once in a while I might put them both in to challenge the offense and, and actually operate a two-mic defense. I'm not going to put Dax in coverage. That is a hideous, okay, you can do some short coverage stuff and everything, but Dax is not fast enough. It's just not there. Ashby isn't really fast enough either to cover, okay? God, I love him. The guy's a tackling machine. Actually, Dax is too. Dax, I think, led the team in tackles last week or something. But Matheny did, and then then Dax
0: was second. Dax led the team last year, didn't he? Ashby leads them right now.
1: Yeah, Ashby's leading them right now. But the thing about Ashby is is that Ashby's the brain. Dax is like the emotion. Ashby's the brain. What you need to do is is going to have to balance that in this passing game. You're going to have to get Tisdale in there, and he's going to have to do more than just be a man on and get sucked away from whatever hole they want to run to. Of course, they're not going to run to it. They're going to pass to it. Right. Well, if you got Chamari Conner covering instead of Tyler Matheny, you're going to have a better result of the coverage, hopefully. But the problem is going to remain that the defense still has not – has got to stop overreacting, over rushing. They've got to stick to their lanes, they've got to contain, they've got to make sure that this kid gets heavy pressure up the A-gap, arms in the air, whatever they can do to disrupt it. And the defense, from my perspective, is, yeah, it's still going to be sort of patched and cobbled together until it gets the steam going and gets a few more things in it. But it needs to get this win and a few good quality stops, again, to get its confidence back. I think they're going to have to do some things to help this defense get its confidence back, more than just kicking them in the butt. You know, come up with some plays that maybe, you know, could jump a few routes. Make sure that you have double coverage underneath and above coverage and let somebody jump a route. You know, try to get some pickoffs. This kid can be intercepted. Let's see about how we get that done. Uh, Just something, some more sacks. You know, like I said, come up to do some stunting toward the middle toward the A-gap and not away from it so that you can stunt in and maybe maybe get a couple of pressures and a couple of good sacks in on this kid that are natural sacks from the front four. Those are the things that I think that the defense really needs to concentrate on doing, and we'll see if they get it there.
0: So one of the other things to touch on real quick is, although Boston College is capable of running the, the three-second offense, they're nowhere near as effective at it as UNC is. And the reason I say that, it's just based on the the statistics that are associated. So I pulled up Boston College's win 24-21 against the Texas State Bobcats, who are one and three, right? And they had two sacks, six tackles for loss, and two passes defended. And then North Carolina, I would argue that North Carolina's got a better defense than Virginia Tech, but I don't think they're the end-all, be-all, particularly in the ACC. I think they still have a couple years before they reach the moniker of Mac Brown's vaunted defenses. They have three sacks and six tackles for loss and seven quarterback hurries. I think Boston College is running a three-second offense because that is legitimately the only thing that's available to them. All indications are that they have a very porous offensive line between the fact that the rushing average per carry, it'd be one thing if Boston College was pass-happy and they were not running the ball. They are running the ball. They're just, they can't do it. They're not opening holes. They're not able to get that rushing game going. So especially if we have our starting secondary back in, guys that are able to play the line well, I feel pretty confident about that win. I think that they'll be able to hold Boston College to 20-ish points, and I think our offense is actually going to have – they'll be fine. I think our offense is going to be fine against Boston College.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at it about, okay, predictions time from you and me, because and, that's what this will be attached to anyway. This podcast will be attached to the predictions article. So the predictions, so you're saying somewhere maybe 42 to 21 or 42 to 24?
0: I straight up think the Hokies will score at least 40 points. The best defensive execution against the Hokies was Duke.
1: I'm thinking like probably on the order of 48. I think maybe Brian will get two field goals. I'm thinking along the lines of maybe 48 to 24. I'm thinking 42 24 Hokies. Okay. So you're 42 24. I'm 48 24. And I'm just doing that because I'm thinking that maybe we might look, we might be running into a little Puente not trying to run up the score kind of stuff. Maybe that's hopeful. But I'm seeing an even matchup where we can take advantage of their weaknesses and our weaknesses aren't as bad as their relative strengths. In other words, like you said, they're one-dimensional and yeah. one-dimensional you eventually lose.
0: And and I think what you'll you'll run into even further is even if the worst happens and Boston College takes the lead, that is not a team built to maintain a lead. They have no rushing attack. They're not going to burn time off the clock. They're going to be forced to pass, which is going to present more opportunities for us should we find ourselves in more of a desperate situation. I think Boston College has done a nice job with regards to what they've been able to do with the teams they've played this season. But I think that as the season goes on and they have to play a little bit more robust, they got a pretty brutal schedule as well between having to play us, Clemson, and Notre Dame. So in my mind, all three of those are probably losses for them just based on the fact that they're so one-dimensional on offense and, or that one-dimensional portion of it for them isn't going to allow them to protect leads even when they get them.
1: Well, that makes us sort of even on the takedown. So it's a hopeful message, guys, Pokey Nation and Gobbler Country fans. Let's all be positive about this and I will be online on the game thread. Hopefully Jay will be, It's a night game for him, so he might actually be able to get on, throw some gifs up there, you know, that kind of stuff.
0: I'll be on the thread, and uh, and, uh,
1: I'll be doing the— And Jay is doing the live, so you won't see my ugly mug. You'll see Jay, and Jay looks way better than I do. I'm too old.
0: All right, Oh, shucks, John.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When you get to be 62, almost 62, you'll go, you know what, I'm old, and it's okay.
0: Maybe I'll still look real good. Who knows? Uh,
1: well, it's just, you know, it's like the product, right? All right. Yeah. So, if everybody will uh, have a good evening, and we're going to leave it with what we always leave it with, and that is, go Hokies!
0: Go Hokies!